You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. In a world filled with cigars, craft beer, comics, movies, and video games, only two men are brave enough to search out all things nerdy. It's the Cigar Nerds Podcast! And welcome to Cigar Nerds Podcast. I'm your host, Smokin' Joe. I'm Brad Jackson. So, it's time to cowboy up. What are we smoking this week, Brad? Well, like most cowboys, I suppose we're out for a little vengeance. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, we're smoking the Kristoff Vengeance Cigar. Uh, this is going to consist of a Connecticut Broadleaf wrapper with Indonesian binder. Kind Ooh. of unique. Smoking um, that endo. With Nicaraguan and Dominican fillers um i don't know off the bat i mean you know on on the box uh you know christoph kind of has like a scale of one to five as far as the strength and everything this falls um into a a four on the rating system um me i would i'd say okay full-bodied but definitely medium strength yeah, then again, we just let it, so maybe it'll build over time. And uh, I gotta say, like, I don't smoke Christophs with any regularity, but they do make a pretty good cigar. And it's always nip too, because they always have the, the closed foot and the, the little pigtail. Pig yes. Just It's like you can you almost don't have to look at the brand. You see that, like, oh, it's got to be a Kristoff, a because it's... It's that funky roll that, and they, then, uh, usually that they always do. They're, uh, the way that the boxes are designed are usually kind of a giveaway. Yeah, I mean, the last Kristoff I had was that pissed-off Kristoff, and it's kind of disappointed in that one because when you name something pissed-off, you expect it to be uh, you know, a lot stronger than, it, <laughs> than that one was. But, I mean, I've smoked the... Uh, San Andreas a lot. I like that one. I don't remember if I've had the the Vengeance or, or not. Yeah, I this one's kind of interesting too because at the the end of the draw, there's, I mean, it says on the website a long, creamy, you know, cocoa finish, and I mean, I'm I'm definitely getting some, you know coffee espresso type vibes from the cigar as far as the flavors so you know um wonderful flavors out of the cigar even if you know it isn't necessarily you know super you know heavy in strength yeah and as we're talking about uh vengeance and cowboying up reason why we dropped those phases is because this week, uh, in fact, I believe uh, May 26th, was John Wayne's birthday. So we're going to, you know, we've always kind of talked about doing a Western episode. We we talked about uh, John Wayne when we did our, uh, I believe it was the Green Berets, uh, we talked about last time. But we haven't discussed any of his uh, Western, you know, work, which is what he's probably most no- known for. So we're going to kind of talk a little bit about the life of John Wayne and kind of hit the highlights of some of our, you know favorite uh wayne movies and if can we even say favorites have you seen all like what is 137 films (laughs) 170 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, the ones I've seen that are my <laughs> favorite. <laughs> and if you're gonna, you know, go track down some outlaws on the frontier, you better call on the Strike Force. StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use your promo code CigarNerds for twenty percent off your order. And with that, we's gonna saddle up. To the town of our free road, a stranger one fine day. Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say. No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip. The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip, big iron on his hip. It was early in the morning when he rode into the town He came riding from the south side, slowly looking all around He's an outlaw, loose and running, came the whisper from each lip And he's here to do some business with a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip And welcome back we're going to talk about a man named Marion Michael Morrison, a.k.a. Yeah. John Wayne. <laughs> a.k.a. The Duke. <laughs> a.k.a. Um, a whole lot of other things, I'm sure, too. Yep. Born in 1907. Lived in 1979. Actor, director, producer, and all-around badass. Yeah, well, I mean, he got to start as a uh, a stuntman. So, I mean, you know, I I don't think you get the title stuntman without a little badassery automatically included. Like, those are folks that, you know, we've, we talked about on the last episode, you know, where we're starting to see, you know, stunt folks jump into the producer seat and everything of that nature and um you know i, I definitely think with john's career uh yeah because he like i mean <laughs> it definitely seemed successful i don't think what you said 170 yeah like it, he appeared in 170 films and starred in 142 films <laughs> was active from 1926 to 1977 was the last uh last movie he was uh was in and it's like i don't know if there's any other actors that have like that prolific of a career where it's like you know and you know if you look at his kind of like the stats like the back of his uh you know John Wayne baseball card he's like he was one of the top earning actors for like three decades running. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I can, I guess my introduction to John Wayne was through my uncle because I can remember multiple bookshelves being filled with nothing but John Wayne VHS tapes and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. Like, I mean, th this is a guy that from. The time he woke and he got his thermos full of coffee to the time he went to bed, that's that's all that was on the TV was John Wayne. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like, because I was, I mean, I was raised by my grandparents, so it's like, you know, 
I guess I'm kind of old fashioned on, on, on some things. I'm like, yeah, I still believe you got to be a, a, you know, a tough guy. And, uh, and that's pretty much like where I learned to be a man was growing up, you know, watching John Wayne movies when I was a kid. Cause like, that was like kind of the example of the, the quiet, tough guy, you know, you know, doesn't, you know, start no shit, but doesn't take any shit at either. You know, de- demands respect from everybody, but then also, you know, gives respect if it's, uh, if it's warranted. Yeah. And, you know, does, does a lot to sort of teach about respect. I, I, I don't know. You know, I don't think the, uh, the parenting methods, uh, portrayed in a lot of the John films, uh, would f- fly in today's society, but, <laughs> you know, I definitely think there's some principles and some takeaways that, you know what, uh, the world may be a little bit of a different place. Yeah, it's so weird. It's like you, like when you look at. I mean, he worked for so long, and it's so weird that like you know you, every once in a while you catch a movie where he's not a cowboy, and you're like, like I've seen. There's one, um, one modern movie from like the '70s where he played like a '70s like detective, and it's like. Seeing John Wayne drive a car and <laughs> and wear a suit, you're just like, this is who this is, is that guy? And then you like, especially too, you're like, oh, like because you you see the westerns all the time. You're like, this must be movie, you know, from and like, oh no, this is like, yeah, you know, early seventies. It's like, <laughs> it's it, you know, because he's fought in Vietnam, fought in World War Two, fought the Indians. <laughs> That was in the Civil War, and a, a cavalry officer in the attainment of the West. I was like, if there has been a war, John Wayne has been there, or at least acted like he was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that was the thing. I mean, I don't know, as we were prepping for this show, I mean, I went back and watched, you know, um, Sands of Iwo Jima. Um, but then again, like, you know, you see the Green Beret and stuff like that on, and it's like... Like, for some reason, one of his films comes on, I just kind of find myself like, hey, I need to pause and watch this. Um, and it's kind of crazy, too, which, I mean, I guess with that many titles, like, I think there's certain things that you come to expect out of John Wayne. Um, I guess, you know, the, the same thing would be like walking, you know, or watching Walker, Texas Ranger. Like, you just <laughs> yeah. know Chuck Norris is going to be doing certain things. And, yeah. you know, that, that same thing with, with John Wayne, where it's like, I feel like I've seen this before, <laughs> but I'm going to watch this anyway. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, yeah, you're also going to get that real slow talking, and I'm going to say some wise shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what why shit have you got to say? <laughs> he has some of like the, yeah, talking about you know Sans and Jim. I mean, he was also uh, how was it the the Fighting Tigers? I think it is where he was like you know it was about uh, fighter pilots during World War Two. I'm like this motherfucker was Top Gun before Top Gun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, holy crap! Yeah, and I remember. Uh, it was funny too because I I made uh, the wife watch uh, Rio Bravo the other night, and she's like, "Is John Wayne like always been like an older dude?" Because like every movie I see him in, he's kind of an older dude, and I'm like, 
No, he was around in the 20s. There's He made a bunch of B-movie westerns when he was younger, but like his best work, I think, was when he was like, you know, from the early 60s through the early 70s. That's like, the, I think all my favorite John Wayne movies is either like, you know, either late 50s up till, you know, the 70s. So it's like, you know, once he... But then you're like, you know, well, I mean, such I, a making such great movies. Then you're like, oh well, he was active for 20 years, so it's like the movies I like is like that's when he's in his prime. You know, he's kind of an older dude, but like the like I said, he'd been doing it for 30 years at that point. So yeah, you know, it's like that one of the things. Like if you do anything for 10,000 hours, you're an expert. He's definitely got yeah, probably <laughs> that invested. Yeah, absolutely. At least you know, I mean. But I I don't know. I mean, I I I think I agree. I mean, most of his uh his works that I'm familiar with is, you know, obviously McClintock, um you know, like I said the Green Berets already. Um yeah, McClintock and probably it's... Big Jake. Those are probably the three that I am you know most known for. But, I mean, this is also a guy that's, you know, fucking even done voice acting for Star Wars. <laughs> so, I mean... Yeah, McClintock came out in 1963, but that's one of those films directed by Andrew uh, McLaglin, you know, produced by his brother Michael Wayne, and made like $14.5 million, which was a lot in in the 60s. Hell, that's still but a I lot like, to me now. I, I mean, feel like that's one of those movies that's almost constantly on TV. And it's currently one of the, you know, free on Prime if you want to go check it out. But yeah, that's one that's like almost always on TV. And one of the many movies he starred with, uh, Maureen O'Hare. You know, we know my weakness for redheads and... Maureen well, O'Hare dude, was I... always a badass. Like, she was always like the tough, like... Yeah, like the, the woman who stands up to John Wayne is like, just kind of uh, rules the roost. It's like behind every tough man was an even tougher woman. <laughs> and that's one thing weird about McClintock is because you, you mainly know, like I said, his kind of action type movies, like where he's a soldier or he's some kind of gunslinger or sheriff fighting outlaws and, and you know, Indians, but... That's one where he's there's no real action in that movie. He's a a it's a pretty much a family film. I mean, it's about a a wealthy, you know, landowner and his uh child comes back from college and and his wife who apparently who has kind of been estranged and, and gone back east and tried to get all, you know, dignified and stuff, you know, both come home and he's having to kind of deal with his little girl growing up and trying to get his his wife to come back to being a, a you know a country girl like he he married I mean there's very there's not I don't think there's even any gunslinging in that movie but there's some some hilarious movies I I love the the old Indians there's like a bunch of old Indians in town that are drunk and he shows up cuz like uh these miners are a farm or are about to hang a guy cuz they're like oh this these Indians kidnapped my daughter and it turns out she was just, you know, spent the night with some dude and he shows up and, and, uh, like this epic, like, you know, 
outdoor ballroom, you know, brawl breaks out where people are getting hit and falling down this like mudslide into a, into a mining pit. And it's like, so such comedic stuff. And like the old Indian that he rescued from getting hung, he's just like sitting there watching the, all these, uh, all these guys, cowboys fight. And he's like, he has, he's like big McClintock, good party, but no whiskey. We go home. <laughs> was whiskey a big part of Indian culture? The old the, the fire water. <laughs> well, I, okay. I mean, I guess you know. I mean, I, I I know that you know they were big for the corn and the maize, and you know I'm I'm sure from that we got a lot of corn wi- liquor and such. Well, this so. particular Indian appeared to be the. He was no longer the the. Uh, yeah, wild brave of the plains. He's more the the town alcoholic at that point. <laughs> like you know, once the the West was won, you know, it kind of went bad for the the Native Americans until they got casinos and started taking all the all the money we stole from them back. Or at least that's what they do to me every time I go to Cherokee. But yeah, McClintock is one. Like I said, it's it's. Kind of an odd mix of the John Wayne movies because he's he's not a gunslinger. It's like I said, it's almost like a family drama slash comedy. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I mean, I could see that. I I don't know. I mean, I kind of like that whole uh, you know speech where you know people's like. Oh, the government gave us, you know, 160 acres. And he's like, folks, the government doesn't give you anything for free. It's like, <laughs> you know, this land, you know, going to be great for cattle. Hates the plow. So uh, good luck making your living, you know, trying to be a farmer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, this also had uh, Jerry Van Dyke in it as like the... Yeah, Junior, right? Yeah, he was kind of a, a city dude that uh, was trying to, uh, you know, marry his daughter and get in on the on the McClintock fortune. I mean, that's the thing. Like, this guy's got a lot of family fortune. <laughs> you know? I mean, hell, look at him in uh, Big Jake, you know? It's like... Oh, your your ex wife just has all these millions of dollars, and you're out here, you know, just living solo off the land, you know, taking it day by day, and you know, oh, somebody needs my help, better, better go. But you know, like a good bounty hunter, he's like, I'm willing to help, but it comes with a fee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Big Jake, uh, 1971, also uh, starring uh, Marine O'Hare. That was one too. That had some great lines in it, and it, it's kind of funny because it's it's set in like 1909 when the days of like the cowboy were kind of coming to an end, and he's like this old school cowboy, and you know having to deal with modern times with you know the oh yeah Texas Rangers show up in cars and stuff. Like, I, I love that, you know, whole aspect, you know, one of his sons, you know, shows up on a motorcycle and, you know, scares all the horses and stuff, and he's like, what the hell are you thinking? Like, <laughs> yeah, and he's got, like, a fancy pistol that's, you know, he says is like an early uh, prototype 1911, which is, a, it's actually like a modified P-51, 
And then he's like, tries to shoot and he can't handle like the semi-auto and he's like, almost shoots like everybody. <laughs> and his buddy, the Indian is like, uh, the, that's going to help him track the, the outlaws is like in the river hide. And he's like, you can come out now. He's like, uh, uh-uh, I'll make sure he's out of ammo before I come out of this river. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then the, 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 the more cowboy, uh, because one son's kind of more like him where he's a you know, kind of a cowboy. And then the other son's gone full modern rides a, a motorcycle until it gets uh, blown up in a shootout. <laughs> yeah. But he's the one he's like, I like that fancy modern fast shooting gun. I'm a, <laughs> let me have that one. Cause you can't, <laughs> it's a little bit, a little bit much for you. I mean, I would have loved, you know, I mean, you know, the, the old coin flip test, you know, to be like, how many shots can you put on target, you know, before the coin hits the ground? And uh, I'd like to have seen, you know, what John could do with that. <laughs> you know, because whenever I think about John Wayne, you know, I always think just the old trusty revolver. Oh, yeah. And uh, like, I remember his, uh, he's like, I thought you said you could shoot. He's like, yeah, I didn't say with the pistol. He's like, I'm a sniper. He like pulls out that, you know, freaking old school sniper rifle. He's like, oh, yeah, I can, you know shoot 500 yards with this thing. He's like, shit, I can't even see that far. <laughs> yeah. Like, too, because he's like, the story of Big Jake is, like I said, he's one of those guys that was always a cowboy and he kind of got a huge ranch and his it was successful, but he just couldn't put away the traveling life and kind of left and let his, his wife run everything and she's kind of become a huge businesswoman and now they're like super rich and he doesn't even know it because he's still out riding the planes and these outlaws come in and uh, injure his son, kill a bunch of his workers, and kidnap his grandson to hold him for ransom. And says they want a million dollars, and I like it. She actually boxes up the million dollars, and the Texas Rangers and the army are like, "Yeah, as soon as we get permission from Mexico, we'll we'll go get these guys for you." And she finally like, "No, I think this is going to be some dirty, nasty business, and I need a dirty, nasty man to do it." So she sends a a note to to find the <laughs> big Jake. And I like when they, when they find him, he's, he's watching a, they're about to hang some, uh, Scotsman that's uh like sheep farmer. And he's like, Nope, I've, uh, bad form, but I've, I've learned to mind my own business. I've, you know, haven't not minded my own business since I was 18 year old and I almost got killed then. And then one of the guys that are about to hang dude kicks the dude's son. And he's like, why'd they have to go and do that? <laughs> and I'm going to ride down and kick the shit out of these guys. But yeah, when he gets, you know, the wife comes back, she shows him the, the note that like million dollars. He's like, do you have that kind of money? She's like, yes, we have like way more than that. But as you find out later, she's like, you know, these people killed our, killed our friends, kidnapped our son. I'll be damned if I'm going to pay him. We're going to hunt these, uh, fools down. But yeah, I remember this movie had some of the, like the best lines. I remember like when he walks in to, uh, to make the trade, he's like surrounded. They got guys up in the. Yeah, up in the rafters with guns on him, and he just kind of like gives no fucks. Just walks in, looks around, and all that all the outlaws like surround him. He's like, "You must I'm think, think I'm, a, I'm a fairly dangerous man." <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and then the one guy's like, "I want you to know, something happens to that money. I don't care if it's your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. We're gonna kill that kid." And he's like, "Fine, I understand." And then and then he gets him. He's like. He said, I want you to understand anything happens to that kid, your fault, my fault, nobody's fault. I'm going to kill every one of you. (laughs) 
and you die first. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, you know, there, like there were times I'm like, they're severely outmanned and... I don't, you know, like, Is it I guess, the old ways you know, still- definitely, you know, felt like, you know, he's a badass and all, but it still kind of gave that whole underdog, you know, kind of perception, which, I mean, in the end, you know, the hero's going to get the girl and, you know, um, there'll be a happy ending, but I don't know. I think one of the cool things for me was, uh, was dog, <laughs> Yeah, you know, like has this dog that follows him around he's calls dog and anytime he's you know somebody doesn't do what he says he's like dog and then freaking jumps up and drags a man off a, off a horse because like, i told you i didn't want you behind me and the guy didn't move and he's like all right dog <laughs> and dog you know freaking about chewed the guy's arm off multiple times <laughs> yeah oh uh, that's one too you don't see a whole lot of snipers in western that was kind of like the you know they had the the son and the outlaw that each side had their own sniper and they had like a little kind of sniper's duel in the, in the bell tower. And he's, he's like, yeah, yeah. They get, uh, people are following him. And when he meets up with the, the main bad guy and he's like, well, you know, we're not following you. We've been here waiting for you. So if someone's trying to rob you. You better, you know, not let him take that money. So they set up a ambush in a hotel and then tell the guys when they come to get him. Oh yeah. Son got killed defending the money. And, He's really like following him, gonna, gonna, you know, do some sniping if they have to. And then there's, yeah, you know, that, that whole little, you know, he's like, he's what, well, you know, how am I going over that? He's like, well, with any luck, you'll see them before they see you. Or even more luck, I'll make him miss that first shot so you know where he's at. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess the lightning storm was kind of a convenience, you know, add, you know, it's like, oh, we're about to have the sniper shootout, so, you know, it just so happens they're going to be backlit, you know, <laughs> but then again, it's like, yeah, you guys are riding out in the open with all these metal weapons and everything, like, you might just be lightning rods yourselves. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how many people got struck by lightning in the old west. And I liked, uh, how was it, the, because uh, <laughs> he's kind of, he's, like I said, he's kind of a... And uh, yeah, aging badass. So he, when she shows him, no, he's got to pull out his glasses and stuff. And he he goes to uh, track down his friend who's a you know Indian tracker. And he's like, "We're going hunting." He's like, "I told you I don't hunt my people." You know, he's like, "Some people kidnapped my grandson. Hell, I don't know what color he is, but we're going to find him." He's like, "All right." And he's like, "If I don't have a gun," and he's like, "Near or far?" And he's like, "Near. I can't see far anymore." And he's like, "Yeah." Me either. So they both grabbed the double barrel shotguns. <laughs> so they they grabbed the double barrels, and I don't know. I mean, you're you're kind of my resident gun expert. Is the greener a real you know double barrel, or is that just something they you know added for for show? I think I've heard the the term before. It's like it's definitely not a company that's has survived the test of time. But yeah, I think greeners are a yeah an old old shotgun from from back in the day i don't know we're gonna see what 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 is uh google and wikipedia tell you <laughs> but yeah that uh I, and i like when 
when they're trying to ambush the guys uh, that are trying to rob him, he's like, he's like, we're going to go out and make a show so everybody, everybody sees us. And he goes and uh, hides out in the, goes, takes a Holy shower. Holy, Super expensive now, kind of like the uh, lock, stock of two smoking barrels shotguns. Uh, if you just want, you know, a greener FH 35 12 gauge, uh, as of right now, 3900 But if you want the greener best ejection SX 20 gauge, uh, that one's going to run you 22.5K. Yeah. So if you got one of those uh, in your you know attic somewhere that Grandpa left you, you can <laughs> you got a little little money. Yeah, holy crap! You see, like Big Jake is one of those two that was always on on TV back in the day. You'd always have TNT would have that like, especially on Memorial Day, they would always have like you know, or. Just about any holiday, they use it as an excuse to play like the all day John Wayne marathon. <laughs> I think that's where I saw most of the time. I'd be like, you know, back when I worked a uh, worked in an office that you know I had a TV. It was like, yep, I'm working a holiday. I'm gonna be watching John Wayne all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean that was a great thing. Thanksgiving you know, with the Duke on TNT. <laughs> you know, you could definitely, um, you know, catch a lot of those marathons and everything else. So, um, yeah, if you want the actual. Uh, Double barrel, um, yeah, um, gotta, gotta navigate here, um, that's the greener WW special, that's gonna cost you, uh, 29.9k. Woo! Yeah. Probably why I haven't heard of these, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's a little out of my, my price range, I'll stick with my, my Century Coach gun that I paid like 200 bucks for. <laughs> It looks cool, but yeah, it's no uh, <laughs> no original greener. Um, I say my and probably the like the movie he's most known for, which is the one that he actually won the Academy Award for. You know, one of the I think the only time he ever won an Academy Award was Rooster Cogburn. Yeah, that's kind of like the, you know, and they remade that a few years ago with Matt Damon and, uh, was it, uh, Jeff Bridges? Or was that who was in the remake? Uh, what was it again? It was, uh, Rooster Cogburn, where he was just like kind of a fat one-eyed, uh, <laughs> U.S. Marshal. Well, that's probably why I can't see far away. <laughs> What the the True Grit from True Grit? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, True Grit uh, with where he played Rooster Rooster Cogburn. Yeah, because that had uh, Jeff Bridges and uh, Matt Damon, Josh Brolin, Barry Peppers. Yeah, that was the that was the the remake, which was which was not bad. It was a little bit different uh, than the the first one because the first one has kind of a happy ending where. The remake was a little bit closer to the original book, which did not end, uh, like, uh, Maddie, the, I believe was her name, with the, the girl who hires Rooster and the Texas Ranger to hunt down the outlaw that killed her father, uh, ends up, like, losing her arm at the end of it, and, <laughs> but yeah, in the first one, it's like, you know, 
he saves her and takes her back to her ranch and yeah has the happy ending and rides off into the sunset and whatnot but yeah the i, I love that line too where he's like he's crosses big field on his horses that's one thing you too you, you see in all the john wayne movies is that lever action rifle with the big uh cocking lever where you can just spin it one-handed like i don't even know if that was a real thing in the west like i've only seen it in john wayne movies i think if you buy one they even call it like the john wayne uh <laughs> lever handle but yeah it's like he's sitting there and he's like you know across the uh field from these guys on horseback by himself and he's like y'all surrender i'm gonna kill you and he's like that's bold talk for a one-eyed fat man and he's just like Fill your hands, you murdering son of a bitches. <laughs> and then like rides across the field with the reins in his mouth, just like freaking dual wielding, like <laughs> shooting the piss out of these guys. Uh, the things that we wish we could do in real life. I don't know. I mean, but that, that was the thing is, you know, like, you know, that was kind of the, the John Wayne signature move. But I mean, by and large, like, he wasn't overly flashy as far as, uh, you know, the weapons and stuff like that goes. I mean, it was just more so, you know, wits and wagers, uh, I, I suppose, you know, where, <laughs> well, this is how we're going to go about it, and um, either you're in or you're out. <laughs> you do things my way, we might both live. You don't do things my way, well, we're probably all going to die. I so, say, uh... Have you ever watched uh, Rio Lobo? Years ago. That was one where... That was kind of a cool one because it starts off in the Civil War. It's like starts off as like a train robbery. And he's the Union colonel in charge of uh, delivering this payroll and this Civil War captain who's uh, like Pierre Cardona, half French, half Mexican. And his uh, sergeant from from Texas uh, uh, robbed the robbed the train and and make off with the with the gold and John Wayne tracks him down but gets they get the drop on him and knock him off the horse and they're like well the only way we're gonna have with this money is you're gonna have to lead us you know past your lines and they dress him up as a as a rebel soldier so they you know he's like yeah if we get you know, you lead us into any of your men they'll probably kill you first. And he like, oh yeah, 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 just follow me, and I, you know, and and it takes him right to a Union camp and ends up getting him arrested. And he, you know, he tells him like the, yeah, we know someone has been giving you information, stealing our payroll. And he's like, he's like, you tell me who it is, I'll let you go right now. And they're like, well, we can't do that because war's still going on and there's still payrolls still. And he's like, all right, I get that, and. Yeah, but they had. It was like they were very friendly, and he's well, like, "Well, I mean, know, I think they treated him very nice." Respect. He treated, uh, you know, it was like, "Yeah, you got the drop on me." And it was you know, him and the sergeant both. And he's like, "And when the war is over and they're getting out of prison, he's there to greet him." He's like, "Can I buy you, uh, you boys a drink?" And they're like, "Sure." And he said, "The bar." He's like, "Hey, I still want the guy that uh, that gave you uh, up." And he's like, "Because one of his men is that had been with him the beginning got injured." And he's like, "Yeah, we had to bury him the next day." He's like, we're sorry about that. And he's like, but we caused the death of your friend, but you don't hold any ill will to us. He's like, no, because that was an act of war. But the other guy, you know, sold us out for money and that's freaking treason. And that's who I want. And they're like, well, we don't remember their names, but you know, here's a description of them. He's like, all right, you know, fair enough. You know, 
here's enough money to get back to wherever you're from. He's like, but if you happen to come across this guy, give me a holler. And sure enough, they find out this guy's now like taking over this town called Rio Lobo and, and is basically a, you know, land, you know, running the, you know, taking over the town and, you know, Cardona and, and, uh, John Wayne go down there to liberate this town and rescue their old sergeant buddy. But yeah, it's uh, like that. That one was a was a cool one, and I know like <laughs> some of his movies. I swear, like yeah, you know, we talk about remakes and reboots and shit. Now there are certain movies that are pretty much the same damn movie. <laughs> well, I mean, that, you know, I I found like as I was watching and have seen many John Wayne films, where it's like they just sort of reverse roles. It's the same movie where. Okay, well, you know, instead of uh, this actor being the sheriff, now John Wayne's a sheriff, or you know, vice versa. And yeah, it's like two of my favorites are Rio Bravo and El Dorado, and I think why they're both my favorite is because they are the same movie. <laughs> and Rio Bravo, he's the sheriff, and his friend is an alcoholic who witnesses a murder. And they arrest the son of like the kind of evil, uh, you know, businessman that controls most of the town, and he has to sober up his his buddy so they can survive long enough to get this guy to trial. And then, and he has a kind of a crippled old man that lost his land, and he's his only other deputy. Well, then you have El Dorado, where the sheriff is the town drunk, who ends up uh, arresting a powerful guy and John Wayne is his buddy that comes to town and now has to sober up the sheriff <laughs> so they can hang out in the jail and, and, and hold off until this guy, uh, <laughs> guy can come to trial. It's like pretty much the exact same movie. There is even a young guy that joins the crew who's named Colorado. And in the other movie, there's a young guy who drones the crew whose name's Mississippi. <laughs> it's like, it's like, where's Tallahassee in all of this? <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's the same damn movie. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I think we talked at the cigar shop, but I was like, I wonder if that's where Zombieland kind of got the idea of, hey, we should just name our characters after, you know. <laughs> after where they're, they're from. Yes. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, Rio Bravo's got some... some uh, th- that one actually starred uh, him alongside uh, Dean Martin, who played the former gunslinging alcoholic which that's just, you know, method acting out of <laughs> Dean Martin. <laughs> Dean Martin playing a drunk. Hmm, that's... <laughs> Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, is it really acting at that point? Um, that was one, like I said, you were talking about where John Wayden was never really flashy. You know, Dean Martin was the the quick, you know, kind of badass gunslinger, and then the kid, Colorado, who was played by basically Justin Bieber of the time, Ricky Nelson, which was like a famous singer and actor. He was like kind of the younger version of, uh, Dean Martin. You know, both of them doing the, the dual wielding guns and he has some cool lines. He's like, you know, when he comes in on the cattle drive and after they've already arrested the guy and his boss, you know, offers to help John Wayne before he's, he's murdered. He's like, you know, don't start no trouble in my town. He's like, I won't sheriff. I won't start any trouble unless I tell you first. And then later on, they catch somebody cheating him at cards, and he's like, he goes, he's like, hey, sheriff, it was the, because the sheriff's a 
accusing this girl that you know was I guess a former gambler. He's like, I don't think she took hid the cards. I think it's the other guy. He's like, well, did you find out? He's like, no, because I told you I wouldn't cause any trouble till I told you. I've told you. Now I'm gonna go cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Isn't that a much simpler, you know, like, now we have to deal with the passive aggressiveness where, you know, before it used to be, I'm just going to kind of tell you straight up the way it is, and, you know, we don't have to agree about it, <laughs> but, you know, may the best man win. Yeah, like that, that line, the movie has two, part two where uh, after the, his friend Wheeler is killed and him and uh, Dean Martin chase the see the guy run into a, a saloon that's run owned by the the main bad guy and they walk in there and he's like, we saw this guy run in there. And this one guy's, we didn't, ain't nobody ran in here. And John made something goes, we're going to remember you said that. And, you know, he looks around and finally finds the guy, you know, notices, you know, blood dripping in a beer glass on the bar and sees the guy up in the loft and shoots him. And then afterward, John Wayne looks over the dude. He's like, remember when you said no one, uh, no one came in here. And then just like smacks him in the face with his rifle. <laughs> he's like, told you I would remember. But yeah, it's like they get the jump on him later, and the kid uh, ends up causing a distraction, and throws John Wayne his his rifle because the whole time he's he's got a six shooter, but he hardly ever uses. It. He always you know walks around with this carbine. I, I like the kid like those. He's like he's like you know at one point he's like you ever you always carry that uh, that rifle cock sheriff, and he's like only when I carry it. <laughs> he's like why do you use a rifle anyway? He's like well I found some people are quicker with me uh, quicker than me with a short gun. <laughs> <laughs> I need that range. <laughs> yeah, I love how uh you know we were talking about, you know, in, in Big Jake and the sniper battles, you know, to your point, and it's like ah, we'll hit them at, you know, two hundred yards away. We'll hit them before, you know, they can they can see it. and I'm like, two hundred yards isn't that long of a distance. Like <laughs> I definitely think a shot's still gonna be heard within two hundred yards. Like <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Something about the uh, the mathematics there, um, you know, not not so much adding up. John Wayne had a sweet uh, outfit too, and and uh, uh, Rio Bravo. He had that one of those like engineer shirts that has that you know like double buttoned on the front. I was like, when I was watching, I'm like, damn, I need that shirt. That'd make a good steampunk shirt. <laughs> you could probably have one for like twenty k or something, you know, like <laughs> ah, whatever historical forum got a knockoff version. Uh, that and it's like every time I sit, sit around drinking watching John Wayne movies I'm like man I really need to buy a couple six shooters <laughs> uh, it's like I almost taught myself every day I was like, I was like damn I should be I want to learn to shoot like a cowboy I mean I got a double barrel shotgun but I don't have a have any uh, six shooters yet in the collection but it's like I mean oh. Amanda's got a 38 special I mean <laughs> a little bit more modern than, than the you know classic six shooter but still kind of same premise yeah, I started learning to do all those fancy, like, Doc Holiday tricks, flipping my gun, <laughs> gun around. Or I'll start like he did with the coffee cup, just, you know, swinging my, my whiskey cup around. <laughs> I mean, it has that same, you know, uh, not perfectly circled, uh, you know, finger guard. So, I mean, I, I think that could work. <laughs> it's speaking of, you know, Tombstone and Doc Holiday, you know, that's one of the things that, because, like, you know, when John Wayne kind of got into acting, you know, as a, a you know, kind of helping with the horses and, and, and stuff like that or in the early on, he kind of credits his whole 
walk and swagger and way of talking in films to meeting Wyatt Earp. You know, he like you know, actually got a chance to to meet and kind of become friends with you know Wyatt Earp later. You know, later in you know Wyatt Earp's life. You know, it, and it's like you know, it's kind of interesting that like yeah, you because know, we don't really know how the real Wyatt Earp was, but the fact that you know John Wayne, who always played the the sheriff nearly like, yeah, you know, he's like, Oh yeah, I, I kind of mat modern, uh, modeled my Western persona off of, <laughs> off of meeting Wyatt Earp. Yeah. That, and he got his nickname, the Duke from his dog. Cause apparently he had a dog named Duke and would, his dog would go everywhere with him in the local fire department. used to call him little Duke. And he thought Duke was a better name than Marion. So he's like, yeah, kind of stuck with him, and then once he got into to actual acting, he got his stage name of John Wayne because that was more, I guess, you know, old west manly sounding. Because back in the other day, Hollywood, you know, it's like my leading man can't be named Marion. <laughs> I mean, it can, but yeah, I I don't know. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, it was always one of those roles. It's like. You know, you think back to, like, you know, either the Hardy Boys or whatever. Like, is is there another character that has stood that name recognition, that many films? Like, and I mean, even to this day, like, you know, we often talk about what are things that we would remember that, you know, the younger generation won't know, you know? Kind of like, you know, can you pass this test? And it's like... I still think that most younger generations would probably still know who a John Wayne is. They might not know Ozzy, but they probably <laughs> know John Wayne. Oh, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's kind of funny, like, some like, yeah, I mentioned earlier that, like, so we mainly know him as a cowboy, and it's so weird seeing him movie in movies where he's, like, in the more modern era. And one of the movies that, that he campaigned hard for and wanted to play the role was he was up to try to, to be dirty Harry, but the producers thought you know, him at, at the time he was like 63. They're like, I, he might be a little old to be dirty Harry. So the, you know, the role went to the, you know, 40 year old uh, Clint Eastwood at the time. But can you imagine like John Wayne being dirty Harry, how different those, <laughs> those movies would have been. Or, I mean, it'd be kind of badass as an aging John Wayne with a freaking forty-four Magnum. <laughs> I mean, he did say he wanted to try one of them fancy, uh, you know, modern pistols. Uh, I mean, that would have definitely been the opportunity for it. Um, Man's got. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I could see it being badass, but it would feel so different. I mean. <laughs> yeah. Just his you cadence know, of talking, him like saying well, some of those I classic mean, uh, Clint Eastwood lines of like, you know, you gotta ask yourself, did I fire one shot or or six shots or five shots, Pilgrim? <laughs> <laughs> but I could almost see John Wayne saying it though, like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Damn, missed opportunity. I'd like to. <laughs> I mean, they got those. Uh, what is it? The 
what is it, deep fake where they keep putting actors in movies that uh, they weren't in and it you know looks like they're actually there and talking. You see somebody do a <laughs> do a version of that uh, uh, where they've got John Wayne and and Dirty Harry roles. I remember. Do you remember that? You know, speaking of him and and roles, there, there was a I think it was a Bud Light commercial or something like that where uh, where uh, uh, John Wayne was in a beer commercial with Arlie Army. And like Arlie Army is like chewing out the, uh, you know, the squad because he found like a six pack of beer in the in the in the barracks. He's like, whose beer is this? And finally, like, John Wayne walks up. And he's like, Sergeant, that's my beer. And he's like, Oh, sorry, General. And he's like, You didn't happen to find any pretzels, did you? And he's like, Someone find the General's pretzels. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, definitely, I think a a good nod to uh, you know what was it, Sergeant Striker? Is that? I think it was Sergeant Stryker. Uh, what movie? Um, oh, shit. I lost it. Flying Leathernecks. That was one of those ones where he was a, a pilot that just <laughs> tried to think some of those other ones where he's he's not a cowboy. Jesus. I just watched the damn thing, too. Uh, <laughs> Sansa Iwo Jima? Yes. Ah. Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. I don't, uh... <laughs> and some of this is the... Yeah, where is Sergeant John M. Stryker. Oh, that's a badass name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like fucking Rambo. John Stryker. And... Some of the... I mean, but that was another one, you know, where we were talking about where you don't see him in the Western role, and yeah, you know, it's kind of uh, interesting seeing him as a uh, NDCO, and just the the stories of John Wayne, even like non roles, just the stuff from his, the legendary stuff from his life. Like I remember hearing a story where there was some kind of actor or something stuntman that was like at a bar, you know, telling everybody, "Oh yeah, I got in a fight with John Wayne." And you know, it was you're trying to impress wo- girls, and then John Wayne just happens to like walk in and like walks up to the guy and punches him in the face. He's like, "There, now you're not a damn liar." <laughs> <laughs> or there's a book that just came out. I heard somebody talking about it on another podcast that was like, "I got to read this book," but I think it's like it might be like John Wayne true story or something like that. And there's like in the article, there's a whole or in the book, there's a whole story about how. Yeah, because John Wayne was kind of the symbol of American patriotism, and so there was actually a Russian plot to kill him, as you know, because they're like, you know, he's like the leader of you know, you know, the the patriots and whatnot. So like, if we can you know kill him, that'll be a, a you know a big boost for communism. And a a Russian director happened to like clue him in on the you know the plot, and he refused. Like the FBI is like, hey, we can protect you, and he's like. No, I got this. And basically, they fig- they found the assassins, and him and a couple of his stuntman buddies went and kidnapped him and like kicked the shit out of him, and made him think they were going to kill him out on a beach, and they ended up turning him over to the FBI, and they became like double agents. And like even like when he was on like USO tours, like in Vietnam and shit, there was like plots to kill him, and it's like it's like if you're that you know that big of a symbol of America that like you know <laughs> people want you dead, and he's like, nah, I don't need any. Any protection, I'll I'll take care of this myself. 
or even some of those great speeches from uh, about John Wayne from uh, Boondock Saints. He's like, you know, it's like, you know, or fucking Dennis Leary's asshole. You know, John Wayne's not dead. He's frozen. As soon as we find a cure for cancer, we're going to unthaw the Duke. He's going to be pretty pissed off. <laughs> he's just had, you know, like you said, even if you're not of the era that you watch these films, it's like, you know, it's everyone knows who John Wayne is. He's just one of those. The legend of him is yeah almost bigger than the <laughs> the the man himself yeah. you know which he was big as fuck too almost played football he was supposed to he had like a football scholarship and then he broke a collarbone surfing yeah <laughs> it's like trying scholarship. to body surf or something yeah. like I mean just one of those like kind of freak things and it's like oh oh, oh shit well okay we'll we'll take this different route but talk about adapting and overcoming I mean. <laughs> You know, if he played football, like, how many missed acting opportunities would that have, you know, would yeah. he have, you know, the career, you know? Because that's how he even got into acting. After his injury and he lost his scholarship, one of his coaches apparently was friends with, uh, you know, because he went to USC, was friends with, like, you know, some Hollywood guys and got him a job as, like, a prop boy back in the day. And that got him kind of into into the world of Hollywood and acting. And like I said, you know, it's, I guess, you know, things happen for a, <laughs> for a reason. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, and I mean, that's the thing as like an actor, like, you know, I think about, you know, today and the emotion and everything else that goes into, you know, could he survive modern times? <laughs> Do you, Oh, he'd, he'd probably gotten, you know, me too or something by now. <laughs> Just, or said something inappropriate and, you know, with the fucking cancel code. Because, you know, he, you know, like I said, guy from the 20s and 40s, he probably said some things that uh, were not politically correct in today's Well, standards. I mean, even, even take the political correctness out of it. I mean, you know, the, the persona of John Wayne, you know, it's, hey, I'm here and just my mere presence and reign you know, name recognition. You know, I mean, he didn't do a lot of over-the-top stunts. He didn't, you know, he was relatively, you know, quiet. You know, when he did speak, it was usually pretty meaningful, but, you know, he didn't have a lot of speaking roles. It was more so, you know, this persona that was created. You know, and I'm I'm trying to think, you know, now with, like, the, like, could John Wayne do, like, a, a Marvel-esque movie, you know, where you have the over-the-top stunts and, you know, everything of that nature? Oh, it'd be like a John Wayne is Nick Fury. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to discredit or downplay. I'm just like, you know. Yeah, because there's not really been, I mean, other than the remake of uh, The Magnificent Seven, it's like, we've not had a good Western in, in like, a long time. It's like, I'm like yeah, does can that genre of films even make it today without being just kind of over-the-top, you know, crazy action films? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, you know, because I... 
You know, the other thing is I get it. You know, at this time, you know, I mean, hell, Technicolor was the big marketing thing. It's like, oh, shit, this is in color now? It's not even, you know, uh, you know, black and white? Um, yeah, and, and like a lot of that stuff, too, is like, you, you know. But, I mean, I think, you know, that character relied so much on practicality that I don't think that it could exist today. You know, it wouldn't be flashy, it wouldn't be glamorous, it wouldn't be, you know, a lot of the, you know, things. And I mean, even, you know, like you're talking about, you know, Nick Fury and everything else, you know, would, if it wasn't Samuel motherfucking L. Jackson, <laughs> you know, how many people would be like, oh, that's Nick Fury, that's a badass, <laughs> without, you know, that, I, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, the last film he made, which was 1976, The Shootist, kind of you know, almost mirrored like John Wayne's actual life because he played uh, a former gunslinger named J.B. Books who was dying of cancer and had kind of come to this town to see his old friend, the, the doctor, and knew he was going to die and... And was, you know, meets a young, uh, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? Directs, like, all the movies now. Um, Opie. Ron Howard. Yeah, Ron Howard is, like, the, the son of the, the, the house where he, you know, the, whatever, the, whatever way house that he, he ends up renting a room at. And, you know, he's one of those guys who was so good at what he did that he had survived all these gunfights. And now he's dying of freaking cancer, something that he can't fight off and decides to like basically picks a fight. Cause he's like, I'm going to go out like I, you know, like I lived and ends up killing like, you know, and pretty much invites these like three outlaws to meet him in a bar and ends up killing them all. And then gets shot in the back by the freaking bartender. <laughs> but it's like, that's how he wanted to, wanted to go out he wanted to go out with his uh with his boots on and you know it, there's kind of like just eerie similarities in and you know how he uh how the character was was dealing with life and how you know john wayne himself like you know passed away you know three years later of of uh of cancer himself yeah absolutely i don't know that's just and the guy who played the doctor in the film was the same guy who played uh, Colonel Sherman T. Potter in MASH. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And so that, I, I, you know, I'm trying to think of, you know, you were asking about Western films earlier, and it's like, I mean, we've had the modern take of a Western you know, with like the Magnificent Eight or whatever it was, you know, that was redone. With, uh, which we talked about, we did the, you know, original versus the, the remake, and yeah, with the... But I mean, then again, the like... Pretty freaking good. Um, you know, a, a younger generation, I, I don't think a Western would be successful. There's not enough technology, there's not enough linking... You know, the the current populace and everything else, I mean, you know, 
I, I think we're too much, you know, future focused in order. <laughs> it's got to be a spectacle nowadays to to draw a crowd. But I mean, maybe, you could do a Netflix. Uh, well, I mean, cowboy. I mean, but, you, then again, your stuff. You like... would have to do it futuristic. It would have to be a space western. And but, I think Cowboy Bebop's already done that. Then again, like we say, westerns don't make any more. But then you got stuff like Firefly or uh, or. Uh, Hell, even John Wick can almost be considered a modern-day Western. I mean, without the trappings of, you know, cowboys and... Well, hell, there was horses in the last one. You know, the, but the Gunslinger movie has evolved. I mean, you, there's still the Gunslinger movies. They're just not your traditional cowboy films. You know, hell, even the Extraction, you know, that's... But then again, like... Almost a... Could be a... <laughs> a like, a I feel cowboy. like it would have to... Like, then we need to say hey. John Wayne is John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they got the same first name. They both got a dog. Uh, See, <laughs> uh, I don't think the automobiles are uh, steam powered anymore at this point. But um, uh, go back to El Dorado for a minute, which start start a. Uh, a young James Caan. And I always love that guy. His Mississippi He's like, you know, this gambler with a knife that he you know, saves his life. And I'm going to tag along with you for a while. And he's like, all right, if you're going to ride me, you got to learn to shoot. And he goes, teach him how to shoot. And he's like, nope, you're, you're too bad. I, there's nothing I can teach you. We're going to get you a shotgun. Because yeah. <laughs> my little pistol, uh, double barrel shotgun. He's like, you'd be dangerous at close range. Cause yeah, you're, uh, <laughs> it's like, you're, you're beyond help. <laughs> Let me get you something that'll, <laughs> That'll help you out. That's always my fear every time I go to a range. It's like, nope, can't help you there, sir. It's like, damn it. I'm teachable. <laughs> but I'm sorry getting that, like, yeah, give me the shotgun. I can't see far anymore. <laughs> oh, Put a big enough scope on it, though, and you'd be okay. So as we kind of wind down here, you know, do you have a particular favorite John Wayne movie or, or John Wayne line? I, there's too many lines to even, you know. I don't know. I think the world would just be a better place if we were all a little bit more like John Wayne. Where you're direct. You're not necessarily looking for confrontation. However, should confrontation find you, you've got the capacity to solve it. Yeah, just the, the old school you know, respect and, and kind of... Well, I think that's the big thing that, you know, died in modern culture is there is no respect. You know, it's all about entitlement. It's, uh, you know, social media and everything else has turned everything into a, you know, oh, it's all about me and a narcissistic, you know, type thing where you're competing for to be the center of attention more so than hey, we need to come together as a community because our survival depends on it. So, I don't know, you know. At the same time, like, most of these people pandering to that narcissistic mentality don't have the capacity to be self-sufficient. <laughs> they have to rely on, you know, income from views and followers and clicks and things of that nature more so than their own skill set. And um, 
I just remember too, you know, we kind of talked about the, the things that John Wayne influenced, uh, you know, everyone's seen the movie Young Guns about, you know, Billy the Kid and Pat I saw Garrett Old Guns. That. What about Young Guns? But, you know, before that, there was the movie Chisholm, where he played John Chisholm, and it, you know, you know the guy who kind of took in Billy the Kid and, you know, and Pat Garrett, and it was like, you know, the kind of the, the early telling of that Lincoln County, you know, the beginning of that Lincoln County War and stuff, and it's like, you know, you, you see you know, the, the things that, you know, influence the, the modern Western and out of all of them, I still like said Rio Bravo and El Dorado, even though they're the same, the same movie are probably two of my favorites. Uh, McClintock is always on, on TV. That's, that's one that's like, if it's on my like, art, right, I guess I want to sit and <laughs> watch this. I don't think it's even popped up at the cigar shop a couple times. I know it has. I've been there. I've seen it firsthand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but yeah, it's like, yeah, there's, I don't think, you know, in the modern era, there's anyone who kind of, demands that level of respect or, you know, gives that level of, you know, respect. He's just kind of every man's grandpa (laughs) who's a badass. John Wayne is the definition of old man strength. You know, we've talked about old man strength, you know, freaking John Wayne. (laughs) Well, I mean, I feel like, you know, oftentimes, uh, you know, given, the the book you're quoting, um, you know, for those people that have not, you know, at, at night she cries while he rides a steed. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, what was uh ah shit the the name of the character slipping my mind? Saint James Street James. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I definitely feel like there's a lot of john wayne influence there <laughs> so as we kind of wrap up what are you thinking of this here uh vengeance uh it's pretty good um it's it's definitely got a lot of flavor um so I, i'm digging it from that aspect um it never really picked up on strength for me um so for folks that are looking for something more you know medium to full body um but with a lot of flavor, I, I would recommend it. Um, you know, the reminds me a lot of Kristoff. Like you, <laughs> you know, you hear the name "Pissed Off Kristoff," "Vengeance." You know, you like they s- sound like they're big, they're bold, they're going to be, you know, powerhouses. Bold and, in flavor, but yeah, not super strong. Exactly. So, I mean, this this is one that you know, I. For somebody that is a fan of Kristoff, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, you know, I think with Kristoff, you kind of know what you're going to get a lot of times. Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely definitely a flavor bomb. And with that, we'll be right back. Sitting taller in the saddle than the rest. He's the king of all the cowboys.
Welcome back. It's time for some science. You ready to learn some shit, Brad? Oh, I suppose I'm ready, Joseph. What do you got? Well, it is official. We're back. The first astronauts have left from America since 2000. Was 2009 when the shuttle program uh, ended? Yeah, uh, I mean. I mean, uh, just, 2011 was the uh, was when the space shuttle Atlantis was retired. So yeah, it's been. But didn't we have to launch? Wasn't Atlantis launch from Russia though? No, that was the that was the last one from the last launch from America soil was July 2011, and since then you know to go to the space station. But we've not had, manned, right? Or was that no, one that manned? Was manned. But, yeah, but that's it's been ten years since since um, an American has. Went to space from here in America. Until then, we've been having to rent uh, <laughs> rent uh, um, transport from Russia at a cost of eighty million dollars a a trip. And yeah, you know, since then they've yeah you know, we've they've tried to put kind of low low Earth uh, space flight into the private sector. So NASA can kind of concentrate on deep space missions. And a lot of companies have been kind of competing to be that, that first in space and, uh, SpaceX, Elon Musk, who we've talked about a lot has, has kind of been the, the forefront of that, you know, and they've launched satellites and everything else with the, the Falcon nine rocket. But this is the first launch of the draft, um, the first manned mission that SpaceX has pulled off with the recyclable engines that actually launch and then, you know, drone flight themselves back and land so they can kind of be reused, reused. So instead of having to pay Russia $80 million a time, there's, you know, only costing us about a third of that to go to <laughs> go to space. But, yes. Um, and I think they're good for, you know, something like five to ten launches, you know? Yeah, it definitely makes it a lot cheaper. Uh, you know, astronauts... Uh, Robert uh, Behaken and Douglas Hurley, Rob and Doug, uh, were the first American astronauts to to go back to space. Taken off from Launch Complex 39A, where the Atlantis flew its last mission, and also where the uh, Apollo missions were launched from. So it's kind of a, a historic uh, thing, you know. And we watched, or I watched it because uh, it was supposed to originally launch Wednesday, and it got rained out, so it launched Saturday at 3:22 p.m. And you know now they're safely aboard the the International Space Station. But yeah, this is kind of big. You know, first time that a you know private company with you know well, I mean, there's NASA and you know, I mean, the the other thing was you know eventually giving you know civilians you know um, the ability to travel to you know space and you know i think this is a big step in that direction yep still very costly um but at the same time i mean american soil american ingenuity um you know we're not having to rely on global enemies <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah and they're going to spend uh 
you know, at least 30 days uh, up to a maximum of 119 days, you know, up there in space, depending on, you know, when they can return home. And, dude, wasn't it crazy watching this and just the evolution of technology? Yeah, like, I remember some... the old, you know, space shuttles. And, I mean, you're talking hundreds of buttons and lights and switches, and now it's like... Oh, I got a couple of computer screens. Yeah, it's like they were, you look at the pictures of like the space shuttle cockpit, and there is not an unused piece of space. Everything's filled with some kind of button or readout. Where you see the new one, not only like the newer, sleeker looking spacesuits, and then also like it's just three computer touch screens that control everything. But then again, it also kind of interesting the the evolution of the manned spacecraft, where we're used to something like the space shuttle that comes back and lands like a plane where this has kind of gone back to the old school Apollo days of when it returns earth, it's going to splash down in the ocean like the old, uh, you know, the old, uh, space pods. You know, it's like, it's new, but then it's also, they've kind of gone back to <laughs> some old school shit. And also, you know, some, the, you know, you've like said this, this is kind of the, I mean, this was the Falcon 9. It's going to be a lot of generations before we get to the Millennium Falcon. It's going to take us a while. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's kind of the revolution. It's like the first new space craft we've seen since the, uh, you know, the shuttle days. Yeah, no, I mean, it was just awesome, you know, seeing the, the coverage, the, you know, the addition of technology, getting to hear the communications and, and everything else, um... Yeah, and, and you know, watching it like depart and you know return to Earth, and I did notice like a lot of the uh, the television shows were were definitely running a seven second delay though. You know that, that and we didn't get to see that actually re- it the 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 drone rocket returning to the because it the feed from the the landing ship uh, went out <laughs> right as it landed. It was like. It blacked out, like, oh, did it blow up? And then it finally kicked back in, and there it was, landed on the pad, like, nope. <laughs> Unless there's like, all right, cut it off just in case this motherfucker crashes. We'll throw a, plop, a prop one up there. <laughs> but no, everything everything has worked so far. They successfully docked, and, you know, SpaceX is ready to do it. And they're, they said basically this commercial crew program developed by NASA in partnerships with companies like Boeing and SpaceX, you know, aims to reduce the agency's cost to access low earth orbit to allow them to focus on a shift to human missions in deep, deep space, which principally there's the first of these is going to be a return to the moon with the Artemis, yeah, Artemis program here in the next couple, couple years. But from there, you know, Mars and, and whatnot, we're, you know, we've got the, uh, the space force now. So get us some That's freaking X wings. Cause and, when we get to Mars and discover the, you know, hell spawn and the demons and stuff, uh, you know, we'll have a good group of Marines. I just hope, you know, like, I, I hope they're allowed to, you know, have handles in Space Force. Because if there isn't a handle for Doom Guy, like, <laughs> definitely a missed opportunity. That was the other thing, too. The, the, the ship that the rockets returned to was called, Of Course I Still Love You, which is a weird name for a boat. So it was kind of funny seeing, like, the people like, we're getting, you know, Readings from, of course, I still love you. As the <laughs> Falcon Nine returns to, of course, I still love you. <laughs> what is its sister ship? The uh, pending divorce is <laughs> the name of that ship. <laughs> but speaking of X wings and futuristic shit, uh, the U.S. Navy has released footage—the first, you know, 
released video footage of their new laser weapon that can actually shoot down aerial drones and, and aircraft. So, hell, we got lasers now, so that's kind of one step closer to, to X-Wing and actual, you know, you know space battles. <laughs> Do we really want that, though? Like, I mean, I know there's been lasers developed. The problem is, is like... Freaking lasers. Yeah, well, <laughs> they don't stop. They just keep going. So it's like, oh, I hit this one target, but I hit 17 things behind it. Like, <laughs> yes, this uh, weapon is installed on the USS Portland. It's a 150 kilowatt class matura- maturation laser weapon system demonstrator, or LWSD. Uh, can successfully disable... Did you say LSD? LWSD. The <laughs> special LSD. Weaponized LSD. <laughs> So yeah, it oh, shot sure down God. a. Uh, I thought we had that with bath salts. A UAV uh, on May sixteenth, twenty twenty, and and this was the first use of a high energy class solid state laser weapon uh, successfully to shoot down. And I said the benefits of this too is kind of like, you know, if a ship is attacked, because basically they may want you know aircraft, UAVs, small boats that may attack ships. It's but you know, whereas if a boat ship is close to land and a lot of attack is launching you. Know, they've only got so many, you know, missiles to defend against aerial attacks where this thing is literally, you know, energy is its uh, ammunition. So they're never going to be outgunned. You know, they don't have to worry about, you know, running out of, out of uh, weapons and some kind of, you know, running out of ammo in some kind of, uh, you know, long-term battle. That's pretty cool. I want to put one of those in my pistol. <laughs> Probably works better than my red dot. So, if you want to be Spider-Man, gecko-like pads for climbing walls can finally be mass-produced. I think I've seen something where, like, there was a crew of window washers or something that was using, you know, kind of like glove-like things, you know, instead of just the... Of course, they were still, you know, tethered by harnesses and everything else, but... You know, I think it was exclusive to, you know, their line of work. So now you're saying that any of us can have those? It's starting to, basically these, it's not new technology. They The things that allow geckos and so have to walk up sheer surfaces and even like hang as a series of tiny hairs called uh, filbris that, you know, you know kind of allow them to connect and, and hold up their much larger mass where humans, it can work for humans, but we need a kind of a bigger pad to do that. But so far the kind of the injection molding method of making these things were, were, were not great and also very expensive. Well, a new kind of manufacturing purpose where they can just kind of lay this stuff out on a flat surface and then shape it with a, hydraulic press uh while it's still kind of in the uh not quite set up stage you know it makes it easier to produce and also better quality control and also much cheaper uh, according to Dr. Michael Varen Varentenberg from you know Georgia Tech who has kind of developed this stuff and it says you know going to have a lot of of not only like I said you be able to climb up flat surfaces but also in industrial applications where these things would be able to, instead of having to have, 
mission specific kind of robot hands where it's like you must design something that can pick up this particular thing that may not work on other things these fancy grip surfaces could basically pick up anything without having to be specifically designed for whatever tasks they're going to be be used on so it's going to have a lot of you know industrial applications and and whatnot and like you said you know robot cleaners that could uh climb up walls uh, and go where no Roomba has gone before <laughs> or if you want to be Spider-Man this might be your chance to be finally be Spider-Man I thought I saw an article too where somebody you know let um let themselves get bit by a black widow thinking that it was going to give them superpowers yeah apparently some dumbass kids got bit by black widows because they wanted to be spider-man speaking of people doing dumb shit our final article here is you know everybody's freaking out there's like a huge conspiracy theory about uh the 5g towers are secret government plots they're spreading coronavirus people are burning down 5g towers because they think they're you know gonna kill us all which is mostly bullshit well a company (laughs) has released a uh they call it the and the company's name is 5g bio shield it's a you know usb stick that you can plug into your phone computer or whatever that's supposed to project a bubble shield that will you know protect you from you know harmful radiation and yeah, they they even like just came up with a whole bunch of like bullshit terms that uh, you know no one actually understands. They said it's a system for remediation against all harmful radiation, electro smog, and biohazard pollution. Uh, it restores the coherence of the geometry of the atoms, which allows perfect induction for life force by recreating a cardiac coherence via plasmatic support and interactivity. Uh, and basically, it's all bullshit. A a company that kind of tests hey uh, here's an electronic faraday cage that is screwed if an actual emp or something happens well turns out it is and this thing will cost you 346 dollars let's go ahead and round that up to 350 because these people must be Loch Ness monsters always trying to take my 350 because apparently all it is is a 126 megabyte usb stick with a fancy sticker on it it literally does nothing, but people are spending nearly three fifty a pop on these. <laughs> All right, dude. Dumbass so things. we know what we need to do. Uh, Cigar nerds, we now have our official branded USB sticks. Yes, these will definitely protect you way better than those other. Uh, and we will only charge and you as a listener special three twenty one ninety nine ninety five limited time only. Limited to two per order due to COVID. Send an email to cigarnerdpodcast at gmail.com. We'll get that right out to you as soon as the, you know, your, your check clears. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole thing. About a, a fool and his money are soon parted. Uh, so be warned. If you're going to be stupid, well, you better have money. So uh, with that, we'll be right back. We are Nerdlanta. We got these filters. I think they're called pea poppers. That's, oh, that's, that's for popping peas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. for, for mm-hmm. popping all the peas. Sweaty balls and pea poppers. Always in time. time. <laughs> Can a podcast be a reboot? Oh, God, Absolutely. yes. The Nerdlanta next generation. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's awesome. We are highly, highly calculated at a late hour. 
you know, it's just it's always fun to talk about geeky stuff. And in Atlanta is the place to do okay. it. I guess that's it. We played the promo. So. Okay. That was an awesome promo. And now it's time for all things nerdy in Nerd News. And welcome to Nerd News. Yeah, news. And in this rendition of news, there is no news without talking COVID. But this time we're going to talk COVID with a nerdy twist. Nerdvid? Um, well, I mean, maybe not even nerdy. I mean, fans of horror can get behind this too, because apparently um, a, a little visual, ef- visual effects makeup artist by the name of Tom Savini, some folks might recognize that name from, I don't know, little known horror franchise. Friday the 13th. Uh, many, many more. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, apparently um, Tom Savini is now making Jason Voorhees' pandemic face mask. Fuck yes. And, uh, dude, they look pretty freaking sweet. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, the mask comes complete with a fabric backing to reduce the likelihood of virus transmissions. And uh, looks like they're being sold for about 60 bucks. Um, I've got a one that looks like the, uh, like those, you see those old, like, samurai, like, demon masks? That looks badass. Yeah, so I, I've got an ex-samurai looking uh, mask on the way, but yeah, I, I may need to, to order me a Jason mask now. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Um, pretty freaking cool, um... So, um, if you, you can also have your, um, mask autographed by the father of horror makeup effects himself, Savini, um, for an additional 40 bucks. I mean... So, for 100, you could have an autographed Tom Savini, Jason Voorhees, um, (laughs) face mask, which I really don't like the idea of mask anyway. That's just me. Hey, you know, you do you, ever how you feel you need to do you, um, but, um... I would wrap this pretty hardcore, you know. <laughs> yeah, you know, if if all this bullshit's still going on, you know, in October, how many uh in employees are still required to wear masks? How many haunted houses are all going to be uh <laughs> rocking these? <laughs> it's like we're a haunted house. Most of our actors have masks anyway. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, most of your good legit haunted houses few masks, but a lot of it's done with the visual makeup, so... Which, I was riding to town the other day to the cigar shop, and I saw a guy at the red light driving around with a Mandalorian helmet on. I mean, if you gotta wear a mask, you might as well wear a cool mask. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I don't know, I mean, I kind of, you know, anticipate the mask, like, especially as sports and stuff like that start, you know, becoming a thing, like, you know... What better way to show your team pride or your nerd pride or whatever? Like, I, I feel like with the social distancing aspect of things, like, that's going to be a thing. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, moving right along, um, apparently the Batman, Witcher, Little Mermaid um, have all got, um, you know, the green light to restart production. So, you know... Everything kind of basically put on hold, but apparently the United Kingdom will start allowing film and TV production to restart, which is where these films are being um, shot at. So, yeah, hopefully, 
theaters will reopen soon so we can have something new and interesting to talk about. Well, uh, <laughs> speaking of new and interesting for the theater world, how about Netflix has a movie theater in Hollywood? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I can't really see. Apparently, you know, Netflix has purchased a, you know, um, the Egyptian theater, which is pretty iconic in the L.A. area. Um, Netflix will basically use the theater for premiere special events um, Monday through Thursday. Meanwhile, you know, America Cinematique, a nonprofit organization that previously owned the Egyptian theater, will continue to be in charge of filming screenings on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I guess, you know, maybe for our big Netflix series and shows and stuff like that, you know, maybe they'll have some sort of a red carpet rollout, you know. Yeah, like a, yeah. Premiere like Stranger type Things, thing. Yes. Uh, <laughs> premiere, whatnot. Uh, I mean, which could be kind of cool. Um, I, I personally don't really care about stuff like that, but I know a lot of people, you know, they... I, I think it might be a, a great gateway, you know, too, for, you know some actors and actresses um, who may not necessarily have big name recognition to, you know, have an opportunity to get their face out there and, you know, try to, you know, captivate some of the public eye. Um, what else? Uh, fans of the Lucifer series will be happy to know that uh, Tom Ellis has, I guess, apparently closed the deal to allow him to return to season six. Um, you know, there was a lot of hubbub because he rejected the original deal, and um, I guess... She even showed up on playing Lucifer on Legends of Tomorrow in one episode where they, yeah. needed, <laughs> they needed a way to hell or whatever, and they're like, yeah, I went to see the <laughs> Lucifer. So, I don't know. It's, it's been a pretty cool series and stuff. Um, you know, I, he's been in five seasons... So, you know, having a sixth season with a different actor probably wouldn't have had the, the same feel, um, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, Joe, I, I, I think you're a little bit of fan of um, of Thrawn and Star Wars, right? Oh, yeah. Well, apparently Lucasfilms has reported that they are developing a live-action Grand Admiral Thrawn series for Disney+. Plus. That would be pretty awesome, especially if it's like the... the uh... Yeah, the the level of production with the Clone Wars, or not Clone Wars, um, the uh, Mandalorian. Mandalorian series. Well, I mean, you know, with the success Speaking of which, Mandalorian, too, uh, Timothy Zahn's new Thrawn book, I think, finally got an official release date. It'll be coming out in I think September, maybe sometime later this year. If you want to read the the newest uh, Thrawn book, yeah. So this will be live action. Um, you know, not really a whole lot of other details right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've talked to Timothy Zahn um, on previous podcasts and interviews. Uh, a big fan of his work, so really cool to kind of see this, uh, you know, get a live action remake. Um, so we'll see how it goes. Um, any other tidbits, news, anything else you want to share well, with the folks? Speaking of at home? Uh, shows continuing with different actors, you know. The CWDC universe has kind of gotten a shakeup because Ruby Rose, who has been their Batwoman, uh, is not returning for the second season. They've she has walked away from the role, saying that it was a hard decision. Has not really given any specifics uh, of of why, but you know, had nice things to say about you know all the people involved. And 
the show's already been greenlit for season two, so right now they're saying they're going to continue the series and just recast the role with a di- with a, a different actress. So you know, so far no news on who's going to be season two's Batwoman or uh, why you know she actually left the role. But then again, she was kind of a big movie star are getting that way. And yeah, hell it could just be the fact that, you know, she doesn't want to be tied to a TV role for the next, you know, fucking six years or whatnot. And wants to go back to, to, uh, yeah, movie acting and whatnot. So I guess time will tell on whether or not, uh, we hear more details come to light on that. And with that, check us out on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at CigarNerdPod. Pick up your shirts at Real Men Smoke Cigars. And pick up your energy drinks at StrikeForceEnergy.com. Use the promo code CigarNerds. And with that, you must think I'm a fairly dangerous man. And this has been a recording of the Cigar Nerd Podcast. We are your hosts, Smokin' Joe and Brad Jackson. Join us next time for more adventures in nerddom. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.